0: kind of leading us right into this passage this morning I appreciate that uh, and thanks JJ and and uh and uh Daniel for uh or David excuse me for our testimony this morning I don't know why I thought David's name was Daniel all of a sudden I used to lead worship with a kid named Daniel maybe that was it I don't know all right well last week we covered verses 39 through 45 uh where we learned about Mary's visit to Elizabeth which is kind of a neat passage um you know, we, we learn that as Mary walks in the door and says, Elizabeth, are you here? You know, whatever the normal greeting was for them. Uh, it says that, that uh, upon hearing Mary's voice, John leaped in Elizabeth's belly, and both of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And it, in response to that, Elizabeth, like it says, loudly proclaims um, Mary is blessed among all women because of what God is doing through her and through the child that she's carrying, which is the Messiah. In that passage, we saw God working in both Mary's life and Elizabeth's life. And and what God had me do last week specifically was to show how Mary's obedience, Mary's abiding in God did a work not only in her life, but also in Elizabeth's life. And it was because of Mary's obedience that Elizabeth was able to experience God's exclusive activity in her life. Um, and, And God wanted us to see that and learn that our abiding directly affects not just our lives, but the lives of the people around us. Our faithful obedience can bring about the fulfillment that God has for someone else's life. And that's a significant thing for us to learn. We're going to look at that, we're going to talk about that some more today, because last week we looked at Elizabeth's response to what God did, but today we get to look at Mary's response. Um, We're going to see that Mary's faith brought a new... Brought, was brought to a new level as she experienced this work that God was doing in her life. Today, the 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 title of this this message is "Responding to the Holy Spirit," and and my goal for us as we walk through this passage today is to see why Mary responded the way that she did. The things that she was saying are significant, but but our ultimate goal is we are looking at this passage as we're learning about who Jesus is, is for us to see that God's going to be working in our lives even when we don't realize it. And how we respond to his work in our lives is going to make a difference. Not only how we see God, but also how the people around us see God. Um, before we get into that, let's, um, let's read the, the, this section that we're going to look at today. And, and often some in your Bibles, it may be called the, the uh, Magnificat. And the reason it has that word is, if you look at, uh, I did not go look at this, but I learned this as I was studying, but the, the Vulgate, which is the Latin translation, the first Latin translation of the Bible, um, the first word of this section of passage is Magnificat. So that's where it gets that name from. So just a little FYI, in case you're wondering what the, what the heck that meant. So let's, um, let's look at Mary's response to God's work. Let's read together Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 56. It said, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of their thoughts, of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. And Mary stayed with her about three months. Then she returned to her home. Man, what a testimony, right? That Mary experiences this moment with Elizabeth and then this is her response. If we I was thinking about this this morning if we were to take this passage of scripture and we take it out of context of this story that we've been reading for the last couple of weeks. If I was to just hand this to you and it didn't say and Mary said if it just started in the middle of verse 46, and it just said, my soul magnifies the Lord. If I just handed that to you on a piece of paper and you read that, you would probably naturally assume that that came out of the Psalms or one of the other wisdom literatures, Proverbs or Ecclesiastes, one of those books. Like you look at that and you're like, man, that is that is rich. That is good stuff right there. Mary, like so many before her, had experienced this moment with God, and she proclaims it in a testimony. When we read the Psalms, some of that's David, some of it's other people, but when we read those passages, they are, are them emoting the things that they're feeling. They're putting into words what they are experiencing, and some of those, if you've read the Psalms, are awesome and they're really great, and some of them are really, really deep and really, really dark. And the point I want to draw out of this is that God is doing something specific in Mary's life, and we talked about last week how in In their historical culture, Mary and Elizabeth would have been nobodies. Nobody would have mentioned them, nobody would have talked about them, and Mary's going to allude to that, and she does in her testimony. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But as we look at this passage, I want us to see that there are two distinct sections in this, and they're not divided out that way, but when you look at the grammar, you can see it. The first section is Mary's response of praise for what God has done for her. And then the second is her response of praise of what God is going to do for all people. In this first section, verses 46 through 49, Mary responds to God's work in her life by praising Him. So I want us to look at just that piece again, verses 46 through 49. It says, and Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior because He has looked with favor on the humble condition of His servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. Because the mighty one has done great things for me. And his name is holy. First point I wanted to make is today is that Mary praised God before the work was completed. We're going to talk about this a little bit more in the second section of the, the message today. But what I want us to see is that while Mary is praising God for what she's experienced up until this point. She knows that God's work is not complete. At this point she's had this visitation from Gabriel. Remember, we covered that a couple of weeks ago. Gabriel appears to her and like, don't be afraid. Here's what's about to happen in your life. And he shared God's plan with her. And he tells her about Elizabeth. He says, go see, go behold, your relative Elizabeth is is now a child. And so Mary goes in obedience and she walks into the door and she experiences Elizabeth's joy at her entrance to her home. Mary responds with praise to Elizabeth's testimony confirming the miraculous work that God was doing in her life. This is all the information that Luke gives us, right, in, in terms of this moment in Mary's life. She simply has, has heard Gabriel's message and now heard Elizabeth's miraculous testimony. I want to point out that there is no evidence that Mary had any hard proof that what Gabriel said was actually going to happen, right? We don't know the timeline there, but, but Luke doesn't tell us that she knows for a fact that she is with child, right? She, she simply walks in to Mary's house, and Mary, I mean, Elizabeth gives this miraculous testimony, and Mary didn't have time to share her vision with Elizabeth. It's not like they came in and poured a cup of coffee or tea or whatever and sat down like, so what's been going on? Well, you know, I had a visit from an angel the other day. Let me tell you what he said. She just walks in the door. She walks in the door, and, and Luke tells us that immediately when, when she spoke, John heard her voice and leapt in her womb and they were both filled with the Holy Spirit, which we talked about last week was a fulfillment of the prophecy that Gabriel gave to Zechariah. He told him that this was going to happen. So Elizabeth shares what just happened in her with Mary and Mary responds in faith. Again, Luke doesn't tell us that she has hard proof. She has this vision or this moment with Gabriel and she has the testimony of a relative. It made me ask the question of myself, and I want you to ask this question on your own, is how often do we respond in faith to God's promises with praise like this? Mary didn't have proof, she had faith. I asked myself this weekend, do do I require proof before I will praise God for what He says He's going to do? Or can I simply believe and respond accordingly? Can I respond like Mary, based on a promise, not on evidence. See, not only did Mary have faith, but it says in verse 46 and 47 that her soul magnified the Lord uh, and her spirit rejoices or it exalts in God. Her faith didn't just rule her decisions. You know, sometimes God will tell me to do something and I will do it out of, of, just out of obedience, right? Because I'm supposed to. I don't know, we're not supposed to do that, right? But sometimes that's where I am. I just do the thing because I know God's told me to do it. But it points out in verse 46 and 47 that she didn't just do this as an act of obedience, but she's responding emotionally. Like, this has affected her in her innermost being, and it's just coming out of her. You ever had something happen in your life, and you're like, I just got to tell somebody about this. I, I need to tell as many people as I can about this. This is not just a like, oh, yeah, God did a thing. It's no big deal, Right? This is a shout it from the rooftops tell everybody you know and everybody that you meet. That it's that kind of testimony. But why is she responding that way? Look at verse 48. It says, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. Second point I want to make today is that Mary was thanking God for considering somebody like her. Mary wasn't from a, a family of high status. Her family wasn't wealthy and didn't hold any particular place in society. It's not like her, her dad was, uh, you know, a famous priest in the temple or a politician or anything like that. She was ordinary. We talked about that a little bit already. But what I want us to see is that her praise is personal. Like she's, she is saying, God, like, you chose me. Like out of all the women in the world, you, you chose me. She knows who she is. She knows that, that she knows her status. She knows that she's a nobody. And according to societal standards, she shouldn't be the one that's getting this, this blessing, right? Like if you, if you looked at cultural standing in those days, that's not the woman that would have been chosen. And this is part of the depth of this praise that we see from Mary. And, and, and I don't know about you, but it's one that I can personally identify with. Right, we're, what is the, the, the casting crown signs, uh, song? We're a bunch of nobodies trying to tell everybody about somebody. Right, that's us, right? We're the nobodies. However, notice the change of status from the beginning of verse 48 to the end of it. Look at it again. She says, because he's looked on favor of the humble condition of his servant, right? She, that is a, a, um, a way of her describing herself, the humble condition. She's like, that's a nice way of saying I'm a nobody, right? Why would you pick me? But look what happens at the end of that. It says, surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She went from saying, I'm just a nobody, to everybody's going to know who I am. And I want us to see that that status change, that view of herself changed, not because of what Mary did, but because of what God did in her life. That status change is a result of God's activity. Mary will be called blessed because of what God has done for her and through her. Because of the conversations I've had with a lot of you guys, I know that you probably consider yourself, or I know that a lot of you do consider yourself, right, of humble condition, quote unquote. What God wants us to see is that while that may be true in some ways, right, I'm not like an elected official who's, you know, big, big guy with a lot of swing, right? That doesn't mean that God's not interested in working in your life doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, what your social status is, how much money you have in the bank, or how much money you don't have in the bank. None of that matters to God. He'll choose who he wants to choose and work in the life of whoever he wants to work in. And in fact, in your humble state, if you'll allow God to work in you and through you, other people are going to call you blessed as well. Right? And I'm sure you've experienced that before. As you have shared testimony about something that God's done in your life, people could be like... Man, that's incredible. That's, that's the way we say you are blessed today, right? Is to say, man, that's a really cool thing that God did for you. This is kind of a, a throwback to what we talked about last week. But God wants us to see again that what he does in our lives is not only for us. What God was doing in Mary's life was not only for Mary. And Mary recognizes that. One of the passages that's referenced in this passage is 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1-3. 10. And we're going to look at that in just a minute if you want to go ahead and flip there. But this prayer of praise in Samuel is from Hannah, another barren woman who God blessed and she gave birth to the prophet Samuel, right? As we read through this in just a minute, I want you to notice two things. Number one, there's a lot of similarity to Mary's prayer. And number two, the work that God does in Hannah's life will affect Far more than just her. Look at this with me in First in Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. It says, And Hannah prayed, My heart rejoices in the Lord, my horn is lifted up by the Lord. My mouth boasts over my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you and there is no rock like our God. Do not boast so proudly or let arrogant words come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge and actions are weighed by him. The bows of the warriors are broken, but the feeble are clothed with strength. Those who are uh, full hire themselves out for food, but those who are starving hunger no more. The woman who is childless gives birth to seven, but the woman with many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and gives life. He sends up some up. Uh, or some down to Sheol, and he raises others up. The Lord brings poverty and gives wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust, and he lifts the needy from the trash heap. He seats them with the noblemen and gives them a throne of honor. For the foundation of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon him. He guards the steps of his faithful ones, but the wicked perish in darkness, for a person does not prevail by his own strength. Those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. He will thunder in the heavens against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give power to his king. He will lift up the horn of his anointed. So we see a lot of similarities, right? A lot of like the poor being no longer poor and the hungry no longer being hungry and God bringing about justice and and we see you know we talked about this in other passages before but that that role reversal that comes with the coming of the Messiah and so why are we reading the story why is it why is it important to what we're talking about today besides the fact that it's similar Samuel is the prophet who eventually anoints Saul and David right so God did a work in Hannah's life. It says that he heard her prayer and he allowed her to become pregnant and she gives birth to the son Samuel. Do you remember just as a fun fact what she promised God that she would do with Samuel? Anybody? She would dedicate him to the Lord, right? So as soon as he's weaned, she brings him to the temple and leaves him there and he is raised and becomes a prophet of God. And so God uses Samuel to establish the reign of two kings that God uses Both of those kings to pave the way for Jesus, who's eventually going to be born in the line of David. So here we see God working in a woman's life to move world history in a direction that he can use it. As you read scripture, you're going to see that pattern pop up everywhere that God's work. Listen to me. God's work in people's lives are part of his cumulative work to redeem the world. That's not something that just happens in Scripture. That's something that happens still today in your life. By using Mary and Elizabeth in this particular way, God is reminding all that hear this story of what he's been doing all along. Mary closes this first part of her personal phrase in verse 49 and and makes that transition of focus. Look back at that with me again. It says, because the mighty one has done great things for me in his name Is holy. And then as we move into the second half, Mary's focus turns to what God is doing for Israel and for the whole world. Look at verses 50 through 55 again. She says, His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear Him. He has done a mighty deed with His arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped His servant Israel to remember his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. Church, God's work is not random. It's not happen chance. It's intentional. In studying this out, I ran across a couple of passages from Genesis that show this work as well. Look at Genesis chapter 17, because I want you to see this pattern that I'm talking about of, of God working across all of history in different people's lives, people that felt like they were insignificant. And in their insignificance, God changed the world. Look at Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 through 8 with me. Sorry, not 1 through 8, 7 through 8. Genesis 17, 7 through 8. It says, I will confirm my covenant that is between me and you and your future offspring throughout the generations. It is a permanent covenant to be your God and the God of your offspring after you. And to you and your future offspring, I will give the land where you are residing, all the land of Canaan, as a permanent possession, and I will be their God. So this is a covenant that God is making with Abraham. And he's saying, this land where you are, first of all, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. What do you all remember about Abraham's wife, Sarah? What was her issue? She couldn't have kids, right? Hmm. You all notice another theme here? Okay? It's not just that God works in that way, but again, God makes a covenant with somebody. This land where Mary and Elizabeth, by the way, is the fulfillment of God's promise of that work, of that covenant that he makes all the way back in Genesis with Abraham. In addition, God's completing another promise You made. Look at Genesis chapter 22, verses 16 through 18. It says, and said, by myself, I have sworn, this is the Lord's declaration Because you have done this thing and have not uh, withheld your own son, this is when Abraham is told to sacrifice Isaac, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your offspring will possess the city gates of their enemies and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. God has been telling his people for generations that they would live here and that they would be a blessing to all the rest of the nations. Remember when we studied the book of Exodus, when God is making his covenant with Israel, he says, "I will be your God, you will be my people, obey what I have said." We see this pattern over and over and over in scripture. God does not change. He calls his people to obedience. He says, here's the work I want to do in your life. Obey what I'm telling you to do, and you will be a blessing to the people around you, and I will bless you as well. Now, God did what he said, albeit it's different than what Israel thought that was going to look like, right? And we'll talk about that more as we move through this book, but God fulfilled his word. He's in the land that he, they're in the land that he promised, and he's doing the thing through Mary that he promised that he would do. These five verses in the second half are not direct quotes from the Old Testament, but they are echoes of many of the things that God has said to his people over the history. Actually, there are 475 scriptural references out of those 10 verses, 475. I read some of those. (laughs) Did y'all read all those when you were prepping for today? Remember how I asked you to read the references? Uh, yeah, no, okay. All right, so cool. Yeah, okay. Liar. So what does this tell us? What is God doing? Why is all this important? What does Luke intend for us to understand through this section? Why is it included in this narrative? Mary's song of, is a praise of God's proclamation about who this baby is and what he's going to do. God is speaking through Mary's testimony. And reminding all of us, including the people then and including us today, that's why it's in Scripture. He is reminding us that he has not forgotten about his promise. That he is going to do the thing way back in the day, even before Abraham with Adam and Eve. When they sinned and left the garden and God said, one day I'm going to send someone who will be able to kill the serpent. To, to, he's going to strike at his heel and he'll hit him in the head. This is the fulfillment of that promise. Jesus will be all the things that God's people failed to be. He'll look on people with mercy. He'll be more powerful than the rulers of the earth. He'll feed the hungry. He will care for the poor and the neglected. But most importantly, he's going to continue to fulfill the promises that God has made. And Mary praises God for what she knows he will do as he fulfills his promises. About this, this particular section, One of my commenters said, it describes the future work of God's son with the certainty of a past event. Mary saw as already accomplished what God would do through her son. She's looking on these promises of God with the certainty of something that happened in the past that is written down, that is recorded. Do you see the steadiness that is in this woman's testimony? Like I, like, I want to describe her like Jesus described Peter. It's rock, it is solid. She knows, even though this stuff has not been fulfilled because of her experience with Gabriel, because of her experience with God, because of her experience with Elizabeth and that miraculous testimony, she knows without a shadow of a doubt that even though these things have not happened yet, they will. I want to ask you to ask yourself today. How do you respond to the Holy Spirit? What are the promises that God's made in your life? What work have you yet to see Him complete? And how have you responded to all of that? I, I know from my own life, and I'm going to give you some examples in a minute, of how difficult it is sometimes to be in the midst of depravity, and know that God's made a promise and to be able to respond like Mary did. It's hard. I, let me give you an example. Um, these last few days have been very difficult for me and for my family, and I want to tell you why. And it's not anything that's earth-shattering, but it was hard, okay? We had a lot happen this week, a lot going on, um, and the week before was even crazier. And, and I think Almost all of those things are things that God has spoken for us to do. So it's not like I'm just busy with busyness. I'm pursuing the Lord and what he has for us. So this weekend when several of those things kind of were coming to or supposed to kind of come to conclusion, um, it all fell apart. For example, um, I I think I shared with you guys that we had purchased a car through Carvana and we're supposed to go pick it up on Saturday, which was yesterday and Friday night uh, as we're getting ready for bed, Bethany's like, what time are we supposed to pick up the car in Shreveport? And I was like, I think like noon. And she's like, go check. So we know what time we got to get up. And i are like, oh, okay. So I start looking and, and I can't find the reservation anywhere. I was like, well, they're closed right now. I'll get up in the morning. They open at eight and I'll call them and figure out all the details. So I do that. Long story short, the car order has been canceled, but they got my money out of the checking account. But the car is not there. It wasn't in my stuff so I finally get somebody on the phone they're like oh yeah I see where yeah there's a big credit on your account but um yeah the the order was canceled after after we received your money why well we, we don't know okay now what okay yeah uh-huh yeah mm-hmm. so that's how I started my day um and and thankfully they found the car God worked all that out the car had not been sold yet it was on hold for somebody else but they didn't click a button in time we got it back so God's doing all that okay so that was but let me tell you about Friday night. Let me tell you what happened before all of that. Friday night, I'm in my office working on the sermon, and Bethany comes in, opens the door, and she's like, water is coming out from the kid's toilet in the bathroom. In case you don't know, that's never a good thing. That's not what it's supposed to do. So I go in there, and sure enough, there's water coming out from the toilet. We have laminate floors in our house, so if the water's on top of the floor, guess where it's also at? Under the floor, right? So, and this is nine o'clock at night, like the kids are almost in the bed, and, and so... Ripped the toilet out, ripped out half the floor in the bathroom. Um, our septic tank—something's up with it. So we go to bed with that, and we wake up with your car is gone. And and I, I'll just be honest—I was a mess. Oh, also, we were supposed to leave today. We are—we were scheduled to leave today to go on vacation. Right. That's when that kind of stuff happens, right? And so, in my mind, I've got a sermon to write. I have a floor to repair. Something's up with our septic system. We've got to figure that out. The car is upside down. Like, I'm just, I am, I am in a mess. And so it's Friday night. It's late, like 11 o'clock by this time. And I'm outside digging up a septic tank in the dark with a headlight on. And I am. It, you know, you ever, like, get real upset and you're like, you need to go for a run or do something physical. You know what I'm talking about? Like, Debbie has talked about digging in the dirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-huh. And I am having a conversation with God <laughs> as I'm digging in that dirt. I didn't respond like Mary did. And I'm prepping a sermon to talk about us responding like Mary did. Y'all see what God's doing there? After a few conversations with him, I realized, Saturday, I didn't know this Friday night. That whole stuff with the car, I think God was in that. Because I think he knew I didn't need to go to Shreveport yesterday. I think I needed to be home working on a septic system and figuring out what's going on. And prepping to go on a trip with my family and not being a giant hairball when it came time for that to happen. I couldn't have had that realization if I'd not had some conversations with God, right? What I want us to see and what I want us to understand, what God taught me this weekend is that literally no matter what is going on in your life, whether it's good or it's bad, God is at work. 'm not saying that God caused my septic system to overflow, but God certainly used it to get my attention. God used that in my life to prep my heart for this so I could share it with you. I just made that realization, that connection in my own mind just now, and I even wrote all this out, and I didn't make the connection. Don't be like me. Be like Mary. Trust God seek Him and let Him show you what He's doing. I remember, I've t- I mentioned this before, I remember years ago that Glenn said he had gotten to a place in his life where when stuff went upside down like that, he immediately was like, okay God, what are you doing? And I think I'm there. I thought I was there until this weekend happened and I realized I'm not there. And so I gotta have some conversations with God about my heart about who do I trust? Do I trust Him or am I just trusting in my own abilities? All of us have opportunities To respond to the Holy Spirit. And as we've learned over the last few weeks. What we do. How we respond. Won't just affect what's happening in our lives. God's work in Mary's life was way bigger than she is. Than she was. And likewise God's work in your life is way bigger than you are. And So the question I I have to ask myself at this place. In this message. In this moment. Is what role is. God playing, or what role does God have me playing in his total redemptive work? Who's Mary am I? Right? In this moment, in this mess of a weekend, what is it that God wants to reveal to me about who he is? What is it that God wants to reveal to the people in my life through this mess about who he is? Churches, we are as we're learning about who God is, you know, our, our focus in this is to know God and to make Him known. This is an important question to ask. Is God, what is my role in your cumulative redemptive work of the world? This significant nobody who builds gas stations for a living. How do I work in this total grand redemptive thing that you're doing? Because whatever it is, how insignificant I may think it is, it is not. And we have seen that through Scripture this morning, right? Through the stories in Genesis, the promises that God made to Abraham, to Hannah, who God worked in her life. And she gave birth to Saul, who anointed Saul and David. Or gave birth to Samuel, who anointed Saul and David. And Jesus is born in the line of David as promised by God. Mary, Elizabeth, Hannah, Sarah. Insignificant people. But mightily used by God. This building right here, these people. Insignificant. But the potential to be mightily used by God. If we will pay attention, hear his voice, do what he says. Church, it's so easy to get fixated on things like your septic tank overflowing in the middle of the weekend that you had something else planned. But what I learned this weekend is that God sometimes will use an overflowing septic tank to get your attention, to prep you for whatever he's going to do next. So, don't be like me. Don't make God get to a point where your septic tank has to overflow to get your attention. It's not fun at all. Amen? We see these stories in Scripture and we compare them to our lives and we think about our lives compared to them. We look at it and we go, "That's not that like my life doesn't look like that. And you're right, it doesn't. But it doesn't mean that God doesn't want to work in your life just like he's worked in the history. If, if we say that God doesn't change. Why would his desire to work in people's lives be different then than it is now? In the midst of joy and the hardship, Mary's testimony is that God is great. We haven't looked at this and I don't know if we will or not, but if you looked at Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through 19, that's where Joseph has his interaction with the angels because he's getting ready to divorce Mary because of the social implications of the fact that she is now with child and it's not his. I don't know if Mary has experienced all of that yet at this point in our story. Luke doesn't tell us. But my guess is that she knew what was coming, even if it hadn't happened yet. And in the midst of that turmoil, she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. He is good. As we experience the ups and downs in life, let's respond with faithfulness. Let's be like Mary and have that steadfast faith that whatever God has said He's gonna do, He's gonna do. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the work you're doing in my life this weekend. I don't thank you for the septic tank overflowing, but I thank you for working in that. God, I ask that for all of us as we move forward in this week, that we would be um, sensitive to what you're doing around us. Father, if there are those in this room who are struggling to move in obedience or are struggling with their faith to, to understand the promises that you've made or to see those realized, Father, I ask that you would do a work in their hearts just like you did for Mary and for Elizabeth where you would move in such a way that they would hear testimony and they would have experiences with you that would make them steadfast in their conviction to what you have spoken. God, you are so good to us. Father, I ask that you would help us to get a glimpse of the role that you want us to play in your redemptive work of the world. Father, help us to see that no matter how small it may seem, It is not insignificant. God, you have shown yourself to be moving in this world. God, with the recent revivals and with the work that you're doing in our lives. And Father, it is is our desire. To know you and to make you known. Father, we could do that through a word of testimony, through sharing your word with the people that we work with, the people that we do life with, the people that don't even like us. Father, we ask that you would work so mightily in us that the world could not help but see that it's you. But Father, we know that we don't have the faith needed to do that. So God, I ask that you would build that in us. That you would give us moments with you every day that would make that faith rock solid. That we could respond to your Holy Spirit the way that Mary did. Jesus, I ask these things in your name. Amen.